We live in a culture that constantly harangues us that bigger is better, more and faster and shinier will finally make us happy, that our worth is tied to and defined by our productivity and our titles, by our busyness and our income and our stuff. But what if it's possible to live a different kind of life? What if it's possible that instead of being shackled to the hamster wheel, we take tiny, purposeful, lasting steps toward depth and learning, toward sufficiency and wholeness? Welcome back to Pause, Purpose, Possibility. I'm Chris Johnson, and my guest this week is parent and teacher and professional listener Ellie Rocher. Ellie is also a sought-after workshop and retreat facilitator, a yoga instructor, and prolific author of several books, including Remarkable Rose, The Embodied Path, Twelve Tiny Things, Play Like a Girl, and How Coffee Saved My Life. Early on in our conversation, Ellie notes that her vocation is to be good at loving which can take many different shapes, including but not limited to the work she gets paid for, her teaching and her writing, and even more so, her calling as a parent and partner and neighbor and citizen. One especially important way to love, she says, is simply to pay attention. We're likely to miss the many wonders of the world around us because we don't or won't or can't slow down enough to listen to the sound of our own breath. While drinking a glass of water and taking three cleansing breaths a day won't end systemic oppression, they will shift something. Welcome to the conversation and to noticing what wants to shift in your life and in the world we share. We're glad you're here. Take a deep breath, or three, and enjoy. Ellie Rocher, so good to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I will have um, crafted, with your help, an introduction that will splice in earlier and that folks will have already heard when they're actually getting around to listening to this. But how would you like people to know uh, who you are? Who do you know mm. yourself to be today? Mm, mm, mm. Um, okay. I Let's just jump right into the <laughs> big questions. Um, I identify as um, a writer and a teacher. I identify as a parent and a partner. Um, I'm located in Minneapolis. Um, I have two absolutely delightful children who are just about seven and nine. Um, I currently am teaching yoga and, um, and I'm a freelance writer. Um, and if you had asked me 10 years ago, I don't know how much of that I would have been able right, right. to guess. Um, but I have just a delightfully rich 
and contemplative life that's multifaceted. Um, and I really enjoy each of the pieces of it right now. And it kind of just keep trying to live into, um, what balancing it all looks like and means for me. So, so the answer 10 years ago might've been different and the answer 10 minutes from now might be that's different. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I'm really struck, Ellie, by the way you began the answer to that first question. I identify as mm. uh, that is language that I think a lot of people are becoming more familiar with these days or, or are becoming more accustomed to using themselves. I identify as, and then sort of fill in the blank or finish the sentence. What's the significance for you mm. of telling your own story in that way? Uh, what what gets wrapped up in or what what is contained in the language of I, I identify as? Mm. Yeah, I, for me, it helps me hold it really lightly um, to not white knuckle it, to not cling. Mm. Um, so one of the types of yoga that I teach is yin yoga. And it's, it's, um, it's a practice of non-doing of holy detachment of letting go practicing surrender. And, um, I think I can get attached to these roles. Um, and it's like an ego striving and clinging that then kind of limits my ability to flow. And in my life, I have, benefited from being agile and kind of moving with the moment. And so, you know, at this moment, I, I used some words about how I identify, how I show up in the world, the posturing that I take, um, the roles that I play. I think by saying I currently identify as, it's just a gentle reminder to myself that, um, there's potential for for me to use those roles as masks or to hide. Um, and I think the work of healing and wholeness for me is to keep coming back to my I am-ness, um, mm. my is-ness. And so, you know, can I say I am and not add anything to that sentence, right? Mm -hmm. And what happens when I add I am a teacher, I am a parent, I, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. So, and can I say that so lightly that I'm not clinging to it, that I'm not grasping onto it? Um, I really, I had a very pivotal moment in my vocational journey several years ago where um, a healer just invited me to think about my, my work in the world as being a lover like that I'm just, I'm good at loving. And um, it was a moment where I was feeling a little bit on the outside of the workforce. Like I've had several jobs where I just didn't quite fit. And, um, you know, my, my paid gig wasn't the great romance of my life. And because we live in this capitalist productivity driven society, sometimes that made me feel odd or othered. And um, she really gave me permission to be outside of this hamster wheel <laughs> of mm -hmm. American capitalism and it be okay that I don't quite fit into the productivity model. Um, 
And it's okay that I, I tend to kind of sidestep that and muddle my way through. And sometimes my vocation seems discontinuous. The, the through line is that I am really good at loving. And I think that is the work of my life. And I think that that will look different at very different moments. And so I came to that, you know, over at the height of the COVID pandemic, um, I quit my salary job because my two littles were kind of sent home. Uh, my, my youngest preschool closed completely. And then my oldest was doing full-time online kindergarten. And so, um, it was, I was in a little bit of an identity crisis because the question is, what do you do? And it means, what do you get paid to do? Mm-hmm, so right. focused on that salaried productivity work. And my answer has always been kind of annoying and long <laughs> and and meandering. And sometimes I get sad about that. And so there was my through line is I did not think at that time that the work of my life would be to help my oldest facilitate online kindergarten and and figure out the iPad. But that is one of the ways I loved him, you know, and that was a season one of my books came out and I never thought I would be facilitating spaces on zoom, but the world needed that. And it turns out I was good at it. And so Mm -hmm. to just have, to be really clear that I, I want to posture myself as an artist, as a writer, and as a human being who's good at loving, not just my birth children, right? But other people who come into my path, then I can like hold more loosely the roles and responsibilities, what I get paid to do, and how I choose to spend my days. Well, the the paid part or the conventionally socially scripted parts more loosely are you similarly or conversely able to hold other lenses or frameworks or approaches to living more i don't know if more tightly is the right phrase but more closely more deeply what's the converse or the the other side of holding social script paid identities loosely what I think that what it does for me is it just opens up space to intentionally curate my life where Uh what I, what I get paid to do has always been a piece of this beautiful mosaic. Um, And the, the color and the size and the shape of it has shifted. And I'm, instead of my job owning me, you know, that I get to Mm -hmm. be the main character of my life. And, Mm. um, and that, that we live in a society where, you know, we use money. It's a, it's a construct, right? And so I do make money. Um, My work has a monetary value to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, that is not, that is not centered and it doesn't consume the whole picture. So I'm just, I'm very well aware of it. I think my work matters. Um, It brings me joy and it is a part of the bigger picture that I want to fit um, at the moment. And so 
I was not planning on quitting my salaried job at that moment, but I was able then to reshift and build a new mosaic that worked for me. And since then, being a freelancer, it's kind of like that constant flux of never arriving that can be taxing, but it also can be alivening for me where um, I'm always looking at my values and what I'm building with my family and um, what my place on the team is. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, my the the piece of the mosaic that is parenting has always been very uh, fulfilling for me. I knew I would love being a parent. I didn't know I would like it so much. I feel like when I had children, like a portal opened. <laughs> I wow. just, um, I just am so enamored with the connection I have with my children and the, the, how generative that work, that love feels as they unfold and grow and shift. Um, that's always been since they were born, that's been a big part. Um, and then I think I am careful then to think about writing and to hold, hold writing separate from the business of writing. Um, uh-huh. and the business of writing can be antithetical to my work as an artist, right? So um, to be able to say that I'm a writer, to say that 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 means I'm an artist and to 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 be like I'm a professional noticer, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to walk through the world with that posture. So the work of a writer is not just writing, but also noticing um, and feeling and thinking and reading. And, you know, living my life, being present in the moment that's right in front of me. That's all the work of a writer. It it doesn't only count when I'm writing and it doesn't only count when I'm getting paid to write or when I'm getting something that I've written published, right? And so um, to to commit to the practice, you know, we're always practicing something. So to commit to the practice of yoga, to commit to the practice of parenting, to commit to the practice of writing, um, some of these pathways that really work for me. um, And yes, I have figured out ways to get paid with some of that. um, But that's not synonymous with um, showing up fully committed to these practices over a long period of time. Does that make sense? Sure. Yes. Everything you say always makes deep <laughs> sense, Ellie. Um, you, I suspect, will recall the little story I'm about to bring to memory of the two of us in my backyard here in Minneapolis during pandemic, fall of 2020, I think it was. And mm-hmm. I was telling you about, I was just about to take a trip to visit a dear friend of mine who uh, was and still is uh, wrestling with terminal illness. And you, I, I was, uh, I was describing some of the trepidation I was holding around that visit and what was I going to encounter when I got to her and so on. And, and you said, take notes. And then 
And then you paused and said, no, 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 that's not what I, how I meant to say, say it. What I meant to say instead was pay attention. Mm. And as you were saying those words, Ellie, uh, you were sitting opposite of me. And from my point of view, uh, there appeared a bright flaming red cardinal that landed on the power line stretching across the lawn behind where you were sitting. But from where I was sitting, from my point of view, it looked like that cardinal had perched on your shoulder as you were telling me, pay attention. Mm. Oh, mm. That, that just still lives in me mm. in ways I wish I could convey. Mm. And of course, I lose sight of it. Sure. Often, right? The the cardinal gets obscured by clouds or muck or my own internal stuff. But I just want to mm. thank you for uh, that gift, that mm. very gentle invitation, very mm. gentle and powerful invitation. Pay attention. Yeah. Notice, as you say. Uh, two questions. I'll let you choose which one you sure. want to answer first. Um, what, in your experience, is the relationship between noticing and loving? Since you've said those are both important to your sense of self. So noticing and loving. Option B, the other question would be, um, what is it that you're noticing these days or what do you what do you maybe this is a third question what is it that you think that we collectively need to notice more mm. these days that that we just don't that we're oblivious to or that we've lost sight of so take mm. take any of those any direction you like okay how long do we have yeah <laughs> right. um Beautiful questions. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, you know, one of the things my kids and I say to each other, it's it's something so lovely when my kids started saying things back to me that oh, I yeah. hate to them. Um, you know, loving them has done a lot for me learning to love myself. Um, they, you know, I'll I'll say, Oh, you're paying attention. Like mm. that's one way to show love, um, is paying attention and, and noticing. Um, my kids are so observant. They know when my mood shifts, um, they'll notice little shifts in my appearance. Um, hmm. they'll notice, you know, they're just, and it's just, it's delightful. I think that we are, we are so desperate to connect. And I believe that when we're with someone who lets us feel seen and heard, we experience that as the same as being loved. Um, and so I think the noticing for me is allowing them to be who they are, not who I want them to be or who I thought that they would be or who I thought they were yesterday. Um, but kind of giving them the space to unfold and be who they are and notice and be delighted um, and have them see that delight in me that I'm in the room with them. I am, um, I'm present. Um, I'm not distracted. 
Um, they have my full attention. And of course, not every moment of every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but similar to the Cardinal, that we, this, that we can come back to it and be in the room together and feel connected. So I think about the people in my life who let that make me feel seen and heard they are also the people that that i feel loved from and so then i think that 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 does have something to do with loving ourselves right is um being attuned to our own bodies um turning toward our bodies allowing our bodies to feel heard um is a form of love um listening to our bodies, which are always communicating to us and then responding to what we hear when there's something in us that's trying to get our attention, um, allowing our bodies to feel what they feel without judgment and just sitting with sensation, um, emotion, um, instead of trying to, you know, stuff it back down and, and repress. And so, um, there's a noticing at the body level that then I think can deepen our capacity to notice at the interpersonal level, um, and then, you know, at the institutional and systemic level as well. Um, so there are endless invitations to, to be, to be living in the past or the future and to be visiting the present. And I think part of Mm -hmm. the work of loving is, can we, can we shift that so that we're living in the present and we're visiting the past and we're Mm -hmm. visiting Mm -hmm. the future? Um, that's no small thing. Um, but I, I think that the, that freedom happens in the present moment. So does delight. Um, so does joy. Um, and if we're over planning our future or if we're ruminating about the past, we're going to miss it. And there was something about that. You could have missed the Cardinal, Mm. you you know, um, There is a great poem about, um, you know, missing how amazing the universe is. But of course, because we've never taken the time to listen to the sound of our own breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so what are our tools? And they're going to be different for everybody. But what are our tools that invite us back home to the present moment, that invite us back home to our bodies um, so that we're taking on a posturing of noticing because we're we're here we're looking at what's right in front of us um so that i mean i think that that gets to your second question what i'm noticing is um we are we are frantic people mm-hmm. we are overwhelmed we are burned out we do not have the tools to process the amount of information that we take in every day. Um, I think about with my book, 12 Tiny Things, how many folks I've talked to who keep their phones on their nightstand and they will open their phone before they get out of bed Mm -hmm. in the morning. They will have access to all of the brokenness and horror, um, what is happening to the earth, what is happening between countries how would we even get out of bed um and this is serious and it's shifting our brains um it's shifting our body postures um it's shifting our ability to show up 
to the present moment and the people who are right in front of us. Um, the pain is real and we're, we're not quite sure what our jurisdiction is, what we can do to address it. And I think that's leading to serious, um, kind of debilitating sadness, um, and a feeling of disempowerment. Um, that's one of the things I'm noticing these days. I think we need some, we, we need some dreamers. We need some prophets. We need some artists. And these are not things that are valued in our efficient, productive, more is more capitalism. And, um, you know, I'm just so clear that the revolution will have dancing mm-hmm. and good food <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, it will be led by people who are in their bodies. Um, so when, when I, when I hold space for folks to notice their breath, there's this constant voice that says, this isn't big enough. This isn't enough. There's too much pain. What, how do you think that this is possibly going to matter to listen to the sound of, of my breath? The, the world has big problems, so we need bigger solutions. And I just think listening to the sound of our breath is not the end, um, but it is one step we can always take um, to to come back home and realize like who we are and what our power is and what we are capable of in that moment. Um we, we as a people like to make simple things complex and complex things simple. And I enjoy kind of messing with both of those. (laughs) Um, So drinking a glass of water, taking three cleansing breaths, these are tiny things that are simple and they help every time they're not going to end systemic oppression um but they will shift something they will shift something very very tiny let's keep simple things simple and then when we take a complex thing and we want to create a meme about it (laughs) Mm -hmm. um a, a consumable sound bite that can do harm so let's keep complex things complex um all the while you know i do believe and this is this has finally kind of come up to the surface that loneliness is an epidemic and i know this from teaching teenagers in a high school classroom um that we are using social media as a crutch for connection. It can deepen connection that's already there. And we have to do the hard work of connection. Um, So, you know, love doesn't happen quickly in sound bites. Um, And I'm noticing 
folks desperate to slow down, desperate for rest, desperate for genuine connection and belonging. And there's some really, really harmful things to belong to in our society. Mm -hmm. We have to continue to build beautiful things to belong to. And we have to keep doing the work of belonging to each other in really beautiful ways. It's not easy or fast. Um, But that's what I see is this deep yearning in people to belong. Like belonging is a body feel where you can get out of fight or flight mode. You feel safe. And when you can drop in and feel as though you belong to something beautiful, that's when you can dream and collaborate um, and envision. And I think we need more of that. And these are the little pep talks I give myself when I'm writing things that don't make money, (laughs) you know, (laughs) is that like our society does not as a whole does not value artists. Right. But I think that it matters and I'm going to keep being committed to slow, the slow art, you know, when something happens, I want to, I have this urge to say something um, on social media. And I have to just be like, I have chosen a very slow art writing essays and books takes a really really long time (laughs) um and it's not for everyone but it is for me and so to just kind of come down off of the franticness and choose to like live at a different level of calm in my nervous system and not buy into the rigged game it's it's tempting, but like the work is just to stay in my body, to stay slow um, and keep doing this work of noticing and belonging and breathing. I marvel at how a book can be a thing to belong to. Um And that always surprises me and it's humbling. I take a curiosity I have in the moment. I get to nerd out deeply, deeply, deeply about it for a couple of years. (laughs) And then some of these themes keep coming back. Um, So I think for me, they're books about getting free. And that process of getting free is going to look really different for different bodies and different groups of people. But I'm so interested in how privilege restricts us, how trauma restricts us, how oppression restricts us, and then how claiming story can be one tiny tool to help us get more free. I think that this episode will drop, as they say, sometime early in the new year. And different people have different postures around the turn of the calendar and New Year's resolutions, yuck. I run for the hills when people talk about that. But uh, for those who will be listening uh, early in the new year, Mm. when it comes to 
what you were just saying about living free and with intention and permission. What do you sense today, early December 2023, Mm -hmm. what do you sense is a freedom or permission that you yourself will be wanting to embrace the rest of today or as as we turn into the new year and how will you go about doing that mm. you ask the best questions <laughs> um so i've been thinking i've been thinking about ease Um, I deeply believe the lie that life has to be hard. I have to earn it. (laughs) I have to earn my right to exist in every single moment. Um, and I think the first half of my life, you know, I was very good at climbing all the ladders. Um, and there's something about that grind that like something went quiet when I was really busy and quote unquote, earning my keep. Something shifted when I turned 40 where um, I wanted to stop groveling Mm -hmm. and um, I wanted to start working smarter, not harder. And um, part of that has been embracing ease of like not when I'm when I'm in a moment that feels not easy, but easeful. Mm -hmm. I don't look over my shoulder to see if I'm going to get struck by lightning. I just can I just settle into the ease no one has ever accused me of even thinking about being lazy. Right. Um, so how can I just build a rhythm to my life that is meaningful and sustainable? Um, I'm thinking about contentment like that. So I used to think of holy detachment as like aloofness, which again, I would never want anyone to accuse me of aloofness. Mm -hmm. Um, I want you to know that I'm in, that I'm here, that I care. Can I climb into your lap? You know, so um, (laughs) I, the, the work of contentment is, is actually a deepening of my presence where there's not the striving and the forcing and the clinging, but it's, um, it's, it's an acceptance of the moment that I'm in, um, so that I can deepen my presence and actually engage in more meaningful ways. Um, and the other thing that I'm thinking about, so I've, I've had, you can kind of sense like one of my mentors picked a word for 2023 and the word she picked was inefficient. And I just <laughs> burst out laughing when she said that. I was like, Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> Be like, I'm going to live a year that is inefficient, uh-huh. but I knew there was something in there for me in terms of what my actual growing edge is. And so um, you can, I think you can hear that in ease and contentment. But one of the things that I'm being playful about is this idea of um, when I feel like I'm getting away with something, I might be headed in the right direction. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I got this mm. idea from a book that I really enjoyed that was very challenging for me. That's called the tragedy of heterosexuality. Um, And Jane Ward wrote it and she's a a lesbian gender studies scholar in California. And she was talking about um, how 
sometimes as a queer person, she straight people will look at her and be like, you're supposed to be as miserable as me. Like you don't get to get away with loving whoever you want to love and getting married or not getting married. And so she, she, she has, she's posing this idea of like, some people get jealous of my queerness because they think I'm getting away with something. (laughs) And um, when really there's just some restrictions in heterosexual culture that we really need to take a look at because our society has put heterosexuality and like monogamous marriage as like the pinnacle, even though there's some, there's some things we could strengthen and and heal in, in the culture of that. So I just loved this idea and I'm, I'm applying it to other areas of my life of like when I am, so when on a day where I, you know, I'm writing my tail off again, it's not like I'm putting my feet up and I'm being lazy, but like a day where I have a little bit of time to meditate and I have a lot of time to write and I am, I'm eating a, a nourishing lunch and I'm, you know, doing a meeting that is just delightful, like with you on the podcast. And then I go pick my kids up. I actually have this feeling like I'm getting away with something. Like how did I create this life where the whole day feels meaningful and easeful? And that's like, oh, I think I might be moving in the right direction. And some of my friends who are like haggard and overworked and, you know, like, if I feel like I'm getting away with something, can I just recognize that this is a life that I've been cultivating for years um, on purpose and that I can invite other folks to join me in being a little countercultural in that way? So that's what I'm thinking about this year. But I also, yeah, I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions. I think it's setting us up for shooting ourselves. Happiness exists outside of our bodies and and then guilt, you know, and like- So I like thinking about what's t- what's a, what's a tiny thing I could shift. I want a little bit less this, a little bit more that. What's one word that I can use as kind of an anchoring mantra that's at my growing edge. But I think of it in this time of year as like, like continuing to come back home to the things that are always already inside of me. And by placing my gaze there, those things that are already there just get to take up more space. So it's not a deficit. It's a remembering. One of the practices that we've been experimenting with as we've been launching the podcast is to end each episode with a big question or a few of the week and a practice or action step for Mm. folks to take with them. Mm. Uh, Without, well, at the risk of putting you on the spot, I want, Mm. I feel like I want to invite you to offer or invite people into a practice or action step that they can take with them. Okay. After they've listened to this really shimmering, delightful conversation. Oh my gosh. So delightful. Yeah. I think, you know, a big question could be um, what's, what's a smaller question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Can we, can we ask a smaller question? Um, And then so, okay. So I'm so glad you did this because when I, the first thing that came to me for a practice, then I, I was like, but is that too small? And, but I think that that's a theme uh, of our conversation yeah. is trying to make simple things complex, wanting to validate our big problems with big solutions. But really the noticing is 
is making sure we're humans who de- who deeply know the sound of our own breath. Yes, our okay. breath invites our breath reminds us that what is outside in the universe is also inside of us. Our breath um, dissolves that boundary between me and the universe, me and you. Um, there is just this isness. There, the breath reminds us there's no arriving. Um, we are constantly in the flow of life. It's the current, like it's it, the life is inviting us into the current and we have a choice. We can try to cling and stay right here in this second, or we can release our grip and just enter into that ebb and the flow of our breath and like the, the joy and the pain that comes with impermanence. Arriving to this inhale and that exhale. And of course, we're going to maybe only do that a couple of breaths a day, but it's available any moment. It's a tool that's available any moment. And just how folks talk about like God or the divine, like our nose where it's right there, but sometimes we can't see it. I mean, that's our breath too, is this beautiful life force flowing through, through us. And so, um, a very simple practice is to take three conscious breaths every day and just notice our our minds in those three breaths going a million different places to the future, to the past. And the very humble work is just bringing it back for the next inhale and the next exhale. The inhale and exhale are two different tools. Inhales bring energy, bring life, bring a fresh start. Exhales are grounding and calming. Um, and so noticing how those, those two ebb and flow in our bodies. And then there's a bunch of different variations you can make on that. But if we take three conscious breaths a day, Every day, maybe during something you always do, like taking a sip of coffee, maybe you'll hold your coffee cup with two hands, which means you're not holding your phone. (laughs) And while you are feeling the warmth of your coffee and smelling that amazing scent of your coffee, you notice that you're breathing before you take your first sip. If I believe if we commit to these simple rituals and we bring attention and purpose than our capacity to notice, to see, to love strengthens. And that's going to shift community. As I've been listening to you just now, Ellie, and across our conversation, I am noticing my own body unclenching. I feel Mm. myself being more both gently and solidly held to the earth by the Mm. earth Mm. so Mm. again and always i am so grateful for you for who you are in the world in my life in the work that you do in how that you how you show up so thank you for the gift Mm. that is you thank you you are one of the people who always always makes me feel seen and heard and loved so i appreciate you thank you so much